0: Top of the morning to you all, and happy St. Patrick's Day! Hello, and welcome to the Grace of Giving podcast. We're your hosts, James Riley
1: and Grace Brosniewski.
0: Happy St. Patty's Day to everyone. We hope you've got your green on.
1: Yes, and hopefully you've got your corned beef and cabbage and your soda bread ready to go. I I kind of feel like if you work at Notre Dame, you're always somewhat ready to celebrate St. Patrick's Day because you likely own something green or something that has shamrocks on it. Maybe it says Irish on it.
0: (laughs) Very true, G. And we can't wait to celebrate with our next guest, Associate Vice President for Development, Drew Buscarino. Drew, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, great to be here and and I will put this little plug being the uh you know, the Italian on the St. Patrick's Day um, you know, podcast that, you know, the little known fact was that St. Patrick was Roman, right? So let's let's clarify here. Um, you know, he was the he was a great evangelist. Um, now there's a little bit of controversy because not too much is known about St. Patrick's, but you know, uh, Lou and I like to claim his, his <laughs> Roman heritage and uh you know, I always joke that I was at, when I was at Notre Dame. You know, it was instead of Buscarino, it was O Buscarino. <laughs> <laughs> it's it great, great to be here with you, especially at St. Patrick's Day.
1: Mm-hmm. On St. Uh, Patrick's Day, we should all just sign our last names O That's O right. Prasinski. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Well, Drew, it's great to have you here with us. Um, sure. so to kind of start off, can you tell us a little bit about your childhood, where you grew up?
2: Yeah, you know. Hey, I was incredibly blessed, right? I grew up about 50 miles east of New York City, right in a town called East Northport, New York, um, on the north shore of the, uh, you know, of Long Island, um, you know, right along the Long Island Sound. Um, my dad was a uh, my dad was a school teacher, um, and my mom, um, I guess maybe when I was around nine or ten, became a tax accountant, and I had two. Um, Two older brothers, still have two older brothers. Yeah,
0: very yeah. nice. So, Drew, what was your, your first connection to Notre Dame?
2: Yeah, you know, this is um, this is it's sort of one of my favorite parts of my, uh, you know, sort of my Notre Dame story per se. And Grace, mm-hmm. you'll appreciate this. Um, you know, when I do my UND nights, I always start off and say, "Hey, I ended up at Notre Dame by the grace of God and the hard work of my mother." Um, so I did not grow up in a Notre Dame family, grew up Catholic. Um, My, uh, you know, my mom grew up in a German Catholic family in Queens in New York City. And my dad grew up in an Italian Catholic family in Brooklyn um, and, you know, again, in New York City. And they had met um, at St. John's University, right? Early 1960s. Um, And um, so no, you know, no Notre Dame connection. Um, now through friends of friends, maybe a little bit, but no real, you know, Notre Dame connection. Um, and I always had this, uh, you know, um, you know, we'll call it a smart goal now using the HR lingo, right? Specific, measurable, whether it was achievable or not, and, right. you know, realistic target. Um, that when I was in high school, um, I was really convinced that I wanted to work on Wall Street um, and I wanted to earn a million dollars a year by age 30. For those who remember that that show Family Ties, yes. okay? my Alex mom would Keating. say it was like a young Alex Keating, okay, <laughs> and uh, and so I, I, you know, I thought, well, then I'll try to go to the University of Pennsylvania, go to the Wharton School of Business, and uh, so that was, you know, part of my big plan, and you know, back then, very different today. You know, I, I don't think college choices were as programmed as they are, you know, maybe for serious students today. But my senior year, I went to my high school where they had maybe 50 different, you know, colleges and universities represented. I got on that Wharton line, right, to meet the representative from the alumni rep from UPenn. And, uh, and he was surly, and everybody in front of me, he discouraged from applying to UPenn, maybe rightly so, right? Um, and he got to me, and I was he, he thought I was a maybe, right, um, that I should apply, standing right next to him right, was the Notre Dame alumni school rep. Um, You know, this is one of those memories that I can, you know, like I can see so clearly in my mind's eye right now. Um, He first introduced himself to my mother, um, who then, you know, like very respectfully, and then my mother turned to me and said, you know, have you thought about Notre Dame? I said, not really, Um, but boy, do I keep on getting mailings from them, right? And, you know, what I would say is, I don't think he spent any more time with me than he did with any other, you know, prospective student, maybe five or, you know, six minutes. But it was, it was that first invitation to consider Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and he said, um, you know, asked if we're Catholic, but also just asked me about, you know, what I was interested in and all those kinds of things. And he said, you know, you have to, you know, he really encouraged my mom to, um, you know, to come visit Notre Dame and to, you know, he said, you have to see the place. And, Um, You know, my dad had died suddenly early in my my junior year of high school, right? Um, And my mom, who, again, I said by the hard work of my mother, my mother is like one of my great heroes in my life. Um, And she worked two jobs to get me and my older brothers through college. Um, And she said, I don't know if I can get them, you know, out, I I can't go out to Notre Dame. Um, But, you know, so she, you know, he said, if you can get them to Notre Dame after he applies and you know, we can arrange it that Notre Dame will host him. Uh, And uh, so sure enough, this, you know, um, he, he encouraged me to apply early. Now applying early back then is not quite what it is today in terms of applying early, but I applied early, you know, was admitted. And then, you know, I did most of my college visits by myself. And so I flew out South Bend, you know, I'm not quite sure how my mom saved it up and came to campus, walked into the main building, at admissions and was welcomed by a student. Right. You know, it probably was all of like two or three phone calls to get that set up. And, uh, so that was my first, you know, was this, you know, was this person I'll fast way forward, like fast forward 15 years later. Right. I am at a tailgate on uh, the old green fields. Then. And now one of my, uh, one of my best friends, a guy named John Kennedy, who's the principal at St. Joe high school, uh, turned to me and he said, hey, I want to introduce you to uh, one of my dad's best friends. It was that alumni school wow. rep that encouraged me to uh, So I looked at him I and said, I said, you are the reason I came to Notre Dame. Right? <laughs> it's a guy named Charlie Cardillo. You can look him up at our system, right? Class of <laughs> 1972. All yeah. right, Charlie.
0: Aww.
2: Yep, See, that's, that's it, right? Awesome. Grace to God yeah. and the hard work of my mother. That's yeah, right. So well, that's just ended
0: up in Notre Dame. just yeah. randomly in Greenfield. Wow. Yep. It's yep. amazing.
1: I, I feel like that's so like that's that's such a quintessentially Notre Dame story of like mm. it's a small world, but like it's just a world where everybody's looking to help you out and they come back into your life. It's awesome. Great story. Yeah,
2: uh, Very yeah, cool. He, you know, I, I always I keep it on my to-do list, right? To call Charlie Cardillo sometime. Oh, that's great. Right? Nice. Um I haven't done it, but you know, like it's on my little task list on the, you know, side of my email in front of me you know, it's buried in there. somewhere. I call him and give him an update. Yeah.
0: But Drew, I mean, being from New York, just to kind of continue this whole theme of the colleges, like NYU, Columbia, like great schools. Yeah. Right? You
2: know, it's interesting, right? I, I actually wasn't, um, I was looking at Cornell mm-hmm. uh, and then I applied to a bunch of, you know, state schools in New York. Right. So New York has a, you know, a, a pretty robust system of, you know, state universities, they're called State universities of New York, SUNY, right. right? So I applied to a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of those, but I didn't apply to anything in the city. Okay. Um, and I think, I don't necessarily think I was focused on going to a school in the city, you know, but things like Georgetown, Duke, Colgate was one that I was really interested in sort of upstate New York, mm. right? Um, yeah. Interesting. So uh,
1: you obviously came to Notre Dame. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time as a student here.
2: Yeah, you know, um, so I, uh, you know, I know we have a lot of benefactor children who live in alumni hall, um, but I lived in Dillon uh, all, you know, sort of all four years. I started out as a, you know, I started out in the College of Business after first year of studies. Um, And then I would say, I don't know if I call it a personal crisis or, you know, however, um, I got to the end of that sophomore year in the College of Business, which is, which is fairly grueling because you literally just study business the whole year. Um, And I remember calling my mother and I said, I don't think this is for me. Um, I'm not sure this is what I want to do. And uh, so, you know, my mom, again, being, you know, she's terrific. And she said, well, you know, what courses do you really like? And I said, I'm really enjoying some of the history class I've taken. She goes, well, why don't you do that? And, uh, and so then I transferred into arts and letters, right. So uh, transferred into arts and letters and finished with a, you know, a a, a BA in Arts and Letters with a major in History, uh, which I really, you know, really enjoyed. You know, in terms of on campus, I was very involved um, in the Catholic Peace Movement, right? There's an organization called Pox Christi. Mm -hmm. Um, I was fairly, you know, um, visible on campus in in terms of protesting things like uh, the Gulf War and, uh, you know, um, I don't, I think I, didn't make too many friends with ROTC um I have Hmm. great respect for them now and at that point I felt really strongly they didn't belong in Notre Dame um so I was I wouldn't say I was really politically active but I was more active than your everyday you know probably Notre Dame student um had great friends in uh you know uh, really great friends in Dillon Hall and then you know I was incredibly blessed I met my uh met my wife here. She's class in 1993. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we met here and fell in love and, you know, got married a number of years later. Yeah. You. Was, you know, great, great four years. And, uh, loved, you know, uh, you know, I didn't come to Notre Dame and, and have that, that sort of like, you know, dome shining experience, right? Like, you know, like, but it was, I think once I felt a part of the community is when it, you know, really, you know, confirmed for me that this is a special place
0: to be. I'm pretty sure, Drew, uh, that you and I, although I was on the other side of campus in Kavanaugh Hall, I'm pretty sure you and I brushed elbows or something on campus because we overlapped from when so, right? in South Dining Hall or somewhere.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, okay, no, let me ask you this, right? Where in South Dining Hall did you sit?
0: Oh, uh, I sat right, right.
2: Okay, so most of the time I would say I was left left
0: left left
2: okay, a <laughs> total opposite was, okay, occasionally, occasionally right right, but I but I washed dishes in town dining hall for two years.
0: Oh, wow!
2: I was, I was a dishwasher for you know, I mean, I you know, I, I was on work study, and you know, uh, my when I would get home from uh, you know, the you know, in May, my mom would. She'd give me a week to goof off, right? And then she'd sit down and she'd just say, okay, here's how much money you have to earn this summer to go back in the fall. And uh, between, you know, my portion, her portion, and my, you know, and my student loan. So my first two years was spent washing dishes in, uh, you know, in South Dining Hall. And then, you know, like why I didn't realize this sooner, there's other places you can work on campus as a student outside right. of South Dining Hall, right? <laughs> And I didn't, you know, I I didn't realize that, I guess. And uh, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be a dishwasher or wiping tables. That's right. Um, So I ended up being a research assistant for a, uh, uh, an endowed chair in history. Um, And uh, and his wife was a faculty member too. And that was a phenomenal gig. Mm. Um, Yeah, that was a great job.
0: Let's, let's fast forward a few years to graduation day then from Notre Dame, Drew, what did you think your professional life was going to look like following that?
2: Yeah. You know, graduation day, I had no idea. Right. Um, Because at that, by that point, I had shed that dream of four years ago, right. You know, of entering and still having this dream that I wanted to make a million bucks and work on wall street, you know, and, and, and do that. Um, You know, Graduation day, the only thing I knew was that, you know, I had um, I was going to do a year of volunteer work. Um, I had been, you know, that the program doesn't exist. This is pre-ACE. It was called the Holy Cross Associates Program, Mm -hmm. modeled off of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just knew that I had committed to do a year of service. Um, So I had no real vision or sense of what my career would. You know would be and, and even you know even to this day i would say um I, i'm one of those people who, who never had a career plan never mm-hmm. um i thought i did right when i was 18 right. um, but when i graduated i didn't have a you know career pro career plan i, I you know i i think i've always just had this and it, and it definitely comes from my you know from my mother this sort is of work hard um and you know do your best to do what you think is right and opportunity will come and it's not gonna be easy, but you know, it all will, you know, it'll all work out. I think I just stuck with that. Mm-hmm.
1: So from your degree in history and um the the volunteer work, how did you get into development work specifically?
2: Yeah, you know, my first job, um I worked at this when I and this is my my volunteer placement. I worked at this aid center in North Oakland. So anybody who's familiar with Oakland, this is a big pitch for Oakland. I'm a huge Oakland fan. I think Oakland is a great American wow. city, and and I encourage anybody to to try to spend time in uh, you know in Oakland. And uh, so I worked at this aid center in Oakland. Um, it was actually Mother Teresa's first ministry in the United States. So this would have been she had started it sort of at the you know be real sort of beginning you know of the I guess, height of the AIDS epidemic, right, in the late 1980s. Um, I never met Mother Teresa, her picture was up on there, there might have been a few rosaries that she had blessed that were still there, the two years later that, you know, I was there. Um, And in that job, um, I was doing a lot of volunteer recruitment, and, you know, I call it sort of just, you know, AIDS education and sort of community relations. But it was external, you know, again, there was a good portion of that work that was all about external engagement. Um, And then I ended up, right, I ended up coming back to uh, South Bend the following summer, right? So that would have been, you know, the end of summer 1992. You know, today we call it networking. Um, I never even heard the term networking, Uh, you know, when I was a student. And I just came back here because then my, you know, then my girlfriend and somebody that I was talking to about getting married was of a year left at Notre Dame, I just started calling people I knew and asking them, you know, hey, any recommendations? And I said, yeah, you should, um, you should call up this young guy named Lou Nanny who's, uh, been running the homeless center for about a year or so now or a year and a half. And, uh, you know, talk to him and see if there's any opportunity. And I did. And, and you know, Lou graciously took the, took the meeting with me down at 813 South Michigan Street, um, and said, uh, hey, we don't have anything, um. And I said, do you mind if, he goes, we don't, not only do we not have anything, he goes, we're so broken in debt that I can't see the opportunity coming. He said, but let's keep in touch. And, you know, and I would call him, I'd badger him every week or two and see. And then, you know, I eventually started working there. And then within my first year or so at the, you know, Center for the Wellness, I, I, again, I was doing a lot of volunteer work and sort of community education stuff. We, we sort of, you know, I'm going to say started a you know sort of a development position per se um, and I did that for you know sort of many years at the homeless center and then when Lou came to you know work at the university I took over the homeless center for him mm-hmm. so certainly in my job there as you know as executive director there was also a lot of you know a lot of fundraising but let's just say it's right fundraising at the homeless center is a little bit different than uh than the scale at Notre Dame um you know, you you really can't uh, motivate anybody by saying, "Hey, you know, do you want bunk number 32 if you make this gift?" Right? You know, there's no uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's far less sort of you know, quote unquote, benefit um, by uh, you know being a donor down there. Um, but it's great work and learned a ton. And you know, my experience in terms of fundraising in a small to mid-sized nonprofit is. Uh, you can, um, one, you have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, so you can learn, you know, you can just learn so much. And I, you know, I, mean, I was in my twenties, right. Sure. Um, and so you can learn a ton. So it was a great, you know, formative experience. Yeah. And if you didn't raise money, then you had to close and kick people out of the street nice. um, and you couldn't pay your staff. So the, the stakes were fairly high. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: So now, Drew, as Associate Vice uh, President here in University Relations, uh, as our structure dictates, uh, you have several teams that report to you, uh, including yeah. Foundation Relations, Corporate Relations, the President's Circle, Cavanaugh Kavanaugh Council. How do you uh, approach leading such a variety of teams? They all do very different things.
2: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. I, and I would say this, right, The for me – today, at this point in my career, right, part of what really sort of inspires me is the people that we get a chance to work with, right? Mm. And I look at the people that day in and day out, I have the chance to, you know, to work more closely with. Um, so, so for me, I look at these areas and they're, they, they are different, right? Um, but we're all about sort of, you know, um, how do we really advance Notre Dame through philanthropy? Um, you know, the advisory council and Kavanaugh council and president circle have this, you know, I'll call it sort of are really heavy into um, the strategy around engagement and how do you really sort of engage. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, you know, the CR and the FR side are all about sort of the advancement of research. Um, And I enjoy the variety. Um, And for me, it's really just finding ways how do you help those teams succeed, right? And how do you help, you know, what can you do to, to really give people the opportunity to grow and, uh, and succeed. And, uh, so the, you know, to me, the varieties, the varieties really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the perspective I get, um, because I work, I really work across the, if you look at sort of the role I have, I work really across the entire, almost the entire division, right? And and have the ability to interact with lots of different places at the university. And that's, you know, that's pretty gratifying. It's not just one, you know, vertical per se.
1: So when reflecting on sort of your leadership position and and your team's management style, um, who or what has been the biggest influence in your professional life, especially in regards to leadership style?
2: Yeah, no, I would, and I'll probably point to, um, you know, I'll, I'll point to a few, uh, you know, a few people, um, you know, one, um, and he's thankfully he's still alive, although he's not well, he's a great Holy Cross priest, um, Father Dick Warner, right, mm-hmm. who for many years at Notre Dame was monks, you know, at the, at the time the position was called counselor to the president, and he was, he led campus ministry, he was the Superior General of the Congregation for many years, um, and he was the chair of the board at the, at the Center for the Homeless. Um, and, uh, and and I learned an awful lot from Father Moore um, in terms of, you know, how, especially how he engaged at a board level, how he, um, you know, sort of supported and encouraged the staff, and, uh, you know, so that was really formative to me. One of my early mentors was Bill Sexton, um, mm-hmm. the, the, the prior, you know, Lou's predecessor as a, you know, as a VP, I had Bill Sexton my sophomore year when I was still in the business class, right. For principles of management. Right. And, and I don't know how many Notre Dame's, you know, alums would say, Hey, their principles of management course is one of the most formative course. Mine was because of Bill Sexton. Right. Um, and, uh, and having Bill, and then Bill served on our board at the homeless center as one of the Notre Dame representatives on the board. And again, at the time I didn't have the language to say, hey, this person is, my, is a mentor for me, right? Um, wasn't a term, right? Um, but I look now and in his role as VP, how much time Bill Sexton gave me uh, mm-hmm. is pretty extraordinary. Uh, and how much, you know, guided and encouraged, you know, me throughout my, uh, Certainly throughout my career, of the almost. And then, you know, hey, I've had this great blessing and privilege, and at times it's been, you know, uh, challenging. You know, I, I mean, I've worked for Lou for the overwhelming lion's share of my, you know, of my career, right? And uh, and I think, you know, some of the great lessons that I've, uh, you know, that I've learned from him. One, all about vision. Um, and, and how do you articulate a hopeful vision, right? Um, and that notion of a, of a hopeful vision has been really important to me. Um, you know, uh, you know, two, that, that if you're going to do something, right, if you're going to set goals, right, um, don't be bashful, right? Always be bold, um, because it's going to stretch you and it's going to stretch the people around you. And that's where the growth comes, Right we don't grow when we're sort of really comfortable, right? We only grow when, when we're being challenged or, you know, uh, you know, or stressed. And then also, and I think, you know, this is probably a lesson that I've had to learn and sort of relearn um, is how do you really empower people? Um, and, you know, and lose leadership style by and large is all about, wherever, wherever it's at in the organization, try to hire great people and then just give people the resource and the tools to, to do the work and don't try to, you know, be too prescriptive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been really important to me. So Father Dick Warner, you know, Bill Sexton and, uh, and, and, Lou Manny. Now, I, and there's lots of other people that I could, you know, I feel like I've learned a ton from Father John, very different type of leader, but you know, I've observed really closely. Um, and that's been, you know, I think really helpful for me to, you
0: know, to understand dude. Yeah. Just a, a couple of things there. Uh, one, Bill Sexton, uh, he always looked like a million bucks. Uh, he, you know, Completely. his pinstripe <laughs> suit and his uh, handkerchiefs and, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. He was definitely a leader. He had the executive presence that, that, you know, a lot of people strive for. No doubt. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. He had great charisma and, you know, you're, Yeah incredible presence
0: yes and then secondly i have a tough time remembering my dreams uh but then sometimes you'll go throughout the day and uh something will happen and you'll remember that that was one of your dreams that you had last night you mentioned monk yeah. Malloy. i had a dream of monk Malloy last night that i was watching him run in a track meet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> strange <laughs> so strange but hey it's a dream and it was my dream i guess so there <laughs> you go
1: we're going to have to look up what that means. Oh,
0: exactly. Yeah, I have to do some research there. <laughs> so Drew, what are some some projects or initiatives that your teams are working on that you're particularly excited about right now?
2: Yeah, I know. I'll start with, um, Steve Nekic and, um, mm. you know, on a corporate relations team, I'm really inspired by Steve's work right now. Um, with PwC, right? Sure. We're trying to, um, it's a really innovative, it's a challenging strategy. Um, we're trying to establish this the PwC Center for Diversity and Inclusion within the Division of Student Affairs, it's a $10 million raise. It's got a bunch of different parts to it. To me, that's really, you know, sort of really exciting. Um, you know, I look at I'm going to say Kavanaugh Council and President's Circle side. Um, you know, I remember having a conversation with you know, Mary Jane, probably sometime in July uh, saying, okay, you know, like there's no playbook here, right? We have to find a way to chart the course for virtual engagement. Like what is this going to, you know, what is this going to look like? And uh, and to see all that we've sort of, you know, accomplished and all that team specifically has accomplished, you know, they produced, I, I think so far they've worked with them. Notre Dame students, both student internships in our office and then the ND Listens team, Mm. I think we've produced about 450 custom personal thank you visit, thank you videos from Notre Dame students for our, you know, for our benefactors. That's a lot of videos. Um, And so if you're a regional director and, and you have a benefactor, right, that's in the program, you can go to this team and say, hey, here's the key message and can we produce this right and that team? So there's there's so much on that side, and uh, I mean I, I look at sort of the foundation relations team, and and, and they are one it's world class, um, but two some of the some of the work that they've recently worked on, a couple ones that you know the, the progression of a relationship with the Lilly Endowment, um, sure, and not just the big Lilly Lift Grant, right? Um, the regional sort of economic development grant but some of the stuff that's happening there there was a recent one that's going to impact our students mental health so it's all about mental health programming and uh, you know incredible work great partnership with Matt Gelchin and the student affairs team on that and then Amanda and Tarla worked on one around sacred art um, in Willie. and you know I really think like the, the Snite Museum soon to be the Rackland Murphy Museum is an absolute you know sort of treasure for us So there's some great stuff there, and you know, uh, advisory council side and some of the work that Julie's doing, I I I am so bullish about the future of sort of volunteer engagement at Notre Dame. Um, Grace, you're doing some of it right now with you know Hesburgh Women of Impact. I mean, I, I I think that you know we're we're really we're sort of hitting our stride in terms of what's the possible. We're not there yet, but it's exciting to you know, to sort of think through it. So yeah, there's so much right now that, sure. you know, I would say it's good stuff and you know, our team is, you know, working hard and humbly leading.
1: Awesome. Thank you for sharing. As you were listening, I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is there a gift or maybe a donor experience that you helped facilitate that really stands out for you as, as a really meaningful experience?
2: I'm going to give you two, and they could not be totally different, right? So these are about as far apart as you can imagine, right? I've had the privilege of working with this one family, um, and uh, although their gift is in the system, they, you know, they, they prefer to be fairly, a, fairly anonymous, uh, but, you know, we can talk about them internal to the university. It's the Weschler family and the Charlottesville. Jean um, Gorman had engaged this family when Gene was on our team uh, for many years, and, and when Jean was leaving Notre Dame. She said, you know, I really think that – let me make this introduction so that you can begin to work with this family. Um, extraordinary family. And it was really clear to me that, that the only direct Notre Dame affiliation was that the wife's father was a Notre Dame alum and, uh, and Sheila's sister uh, was an alum. Um, and Sheila grew up coming to Notre Dame football games with her father, right, um, in like the 1970s and uh, my husband Ted knew some Notre Dame folks through his work as a running his own sort of investment you know fund um, and all I did right, was and it was clear to me that again because there wasn't that direct you know real direct Notre Dame affiliation um, was all focus on engagement and bringing them close To Notre Dame and really observing, and really observing how are they making gifts, you know, and 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 asking and understanding and asking them. I I noticed you made this gift. Like, tell me about that, right? And and Ted was very open about it. It took me almost three years to to for them to say yes to come to a campaign event. It was a fly-in, right? And so I kept on making that invitation. I'd send the dates, call, you know, call them up and uh, finally got them to a campaign event. Again, just sort of staying in the relationship. And then they, the weekend, so I, you know, I didn't ask them for a dollar amount, right? I, I asked them to come because we wanted to build this relationship. And I said, our, my hope is that this will be really meaningful to you and it'll help discern the future of your philanthropy. The week after I get a letter, it was BC, I was copied on it. It was a letter to Father John. And they committed to me. They committed to a, a $25 million unrestricted gift. Whoa. to Dame. Uh, wow. We've since, and, and we worked it out. We, we, we restricted it. We turned it into, you know, we leveraged it. And we did all sorts of great stuff with that gift. But that was really, you know, powerful to me. So that's the one story. The other one, which actually just came to me, is during the whole – I'm going to say, controversy around the invitation to President Obama, right? Um, I got a call from this older alum who was a judge in, like, like upper Minnesota, right? Um, and, uh, you know, uh, in his, you know, calling, right, he, he felt like he was, you know, was all around pro-life. He helped found an orphanage in Poland. Um, and he was so angry and so upset, right? And I remember him sort of yelling, you know, over the phone, it was incomprehensible to him, right? Um, for this. And we probably spent well over an hour on the phone, right? And, uh, and he's a of Society donor, right? Um, and I think Notre Dame may be in his estate. And so, you know, we just sort of stayed in the conversation. Um, and maybe he, you know, he might've missed a year making his gift, but he eventually started, you know, giving again to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, there was a really powerful lesson, which is often our job, especially when things are difficult, is, you know, we've got to be able to move past our fiscal year. We've got to be able to move past whatever goals we're setting as a team and realize that, that our real goal here is to build these lifelong enduring relationships we are called university relations for a reason. Um, And and we're trying to build these, you know, these deep long-term relationships. And so, you know, whenever things are really difficult in a relationship, I, 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 I challenge myself and I think back to that particular judge and say, hey, the goal here is not this next gift. The goal is to stay in the relationship and to let this person know, right? That hey Notre Dame is here, right? We we want them to be part of the family, as angry and upset they may be. So two completely different stories, mm-hmm. um, but you know two that have sort of struck me. Now of course I like the one that ended up with a twenty-five million dollar gift, <laughs> a little bit more.
1: <laughs> if only all our stories could end. Exactly, up. right. right, right.
2: <laughs> I say here's the here's the good postscript to that, right? And this is the only time in my career this has happened per se, right? So that that letter comes in. And, uh, you know, a few days later, Father John calls me up, um, and he congratulates me on that gift. Wow. And I said, Father John, I said, you know, thank you. It means an awful lot to me that, that you would take the time to, you know, call All me right. up. And I said, I said, I feel really good about the work I did here. And, and, uh, and I said, so, you know, I do and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do the work, but I also have to tell you that, um, I've worked so much harder on some $25,000 president circle gifts Mm. than I did on this one, (laughs) this $125 million, this $125 million gift. You got to laugh out of that. Oh,
0: great. (laughs) Drew, this next question, it may be hard because we have lots of moments here in in university relations, but over the years, if you think about it, what's been your favorite moment with the UR team so far and, and why?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I,
0: I, it's
2: a great question I don't I don't think I have one
0: yeah. right? I don't have a um
2: you know a favorite moment per se I'll give you I'll give you some experiences right that are really meaningful to me um one was around father Ted's funeral um and to see how our team sort of helped plan that funeral helped serve both you know uh, and I look at sort of a lot of the work that Catherine Lane had done, um, and and sort of many you know many others, but that that was so you know I think so meaningful and so important. Two, it's really the, it, it's not the moment; it's the it's the moments that you know that our team is together and where you know whatever it is, just sort of jumping in and saying, "Hey, I'll I'll help. How can I you know how can I help?" you work on what you're working on how can you you know so to me that that experience of collaboration and just sort of you know shared commitment is so deep and deeper now than you know i would say i've ever seen in our you know team in my you know sort of my tenure um so that's been uh, you know really meaningful but i don't think i have a you know there's, there's nothing that sort of really jumps out for me yeah um, that was the you know, that was the moment, I, you know, some moments I would say that I've had um, when I see how hard our team works, right? I'm, I'm really close to some major events that we put on, right? Whether they're advisory council weekends, you know, we do this big symposium in Washington, D.C. and, uh, and to, to see what our team is actually capable of um, and the level that people, you know, around us elevate to um, in certain, you know, I, I look at it and say, you know, it's, it's a big wow. Um, and to, you know, just to feel grateful to be a part of it, right, to sort of witness the kind of, you know, effort and, you know, and excellence that we're just surrounded by um, is, you know, it's pretty incredible.
1: So speaking of things you're grateful for, um, can you tell us a little about your family?
2: Yeah, right, so I've got, um, you know, my wife Emily, um, James knows uh, Emily because they worked together That's at right. the start of their careers yeah. way Emily, back when. And, Emily
0: was you know, my first manager when I graduated yeah. from that Oh, day. nice. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. And uh, so my wife Emily, right, um, she, um, you know, she uh, she works for Oaklawn, the community mental health provider, mm-hmm. um, and she's worked there now for, you know, for many years and spent her whole career, spent her whole, her whole career really into sort of community mental health. And then I've got two sons, um, Charlie, who will be 19 uh, here in a week or so, and uh, and is a freshman at IUSB, and then Joey, who is a um, sophomore at South Bend uh, Adams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's our, our you know our our family here. I will say that's right? We are uh, we call ourselves a God family. Um, we are really really close with. Rosie and Paul McDowell, so Rosie from our, you know, from our sure. stewardship team, Rosie and Emily were freshman year roommates in Lewis Hall, oh, wow. um, and we're we're godparents to their oldest daughter, Maggie, and they're godparents to um, our oldest son, Charlie, oh, who live great. a couple blocks away, so that's our, you know, our quote-unquote, our kids named it our god family. I <laughs> so love we, it. We've got a little text that's among our two families called the god family,
0: right? <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: It's funny.
0: So I have a feeling I know what the answer is to this next question. Uh, yeah, starts with G and ends in ALF maybe, but uh, <laughs> what do you enjoy doing outside of work?
2: Yeah, so here's my, um, you know, I did this presentation to okay, okay, <laughs> the teams as I was sort of beginning to work with new teams, and I put something together to sort of introduce myself. So um, I have a, a few, like, really select passions, right, outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um James is right. Right. I'm not a great golfer. I'll steal the, the famous Kirk Bjork line, which is my golf game is like FM radio, 88 to one Oh four. And, uh, so I'd love to, but i love to play golf and I've played golf for, you know, now, geez, over 40 years. Right. So a long time, um, I'm not, you know, my best year was when I was 16 or 17 and I haven't been as good since. Um, and then, um, you heard about my passion for the Grateful Dead. Um, right. There's probably, there there may not be a day that's gone by in the last, I'll call it 35 years. Maybe there's a few here and there that I didn't listen to the Grateful Dead. So I'm, you know, uh, really passionate about the Grateful Dead. Um, I am a Chelsea football club fan. Um, mm. And so I, and I have the great privilege of, um, due to one of our benefactors to go see Chelsea at Stanford Bridge. And we were on a family vacation a number of years ago. So I love wow. following Chelsea. Um, and, uh, um, and then I brew my own beer, right? That's so right. I've been a brewer now for 25 years. Um, wow. In fact, I'm going to brew this weekend. Yeah.
1: Wow. Interesting. What's your favorite type of like beer to brew?
2: Yeah, I have a few. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of English ales right? Um, I would say English ales, German lagers, German American lagers, and pale ale. Um, I like IPAs, but I'm not creating, now IPAs have gotten really alcoholic. Um, mm-hmm. It's not my thing, uh, but I would say that's my, you know, those are the ones that i brew the most. i brew one or two sort of darker beers a year, so I've got a, a porter on tap right now, so dark, you know, almost like a stout,
0: Any idea, Drew, you mentioned uh, the Premier League. So a lot of the teams, they wear scarves, right? Or or they have scarves as what you call those. So how did that tradition start? (laughs) Well, my assumption is this, right? Especially if you look at, you know, English
2: soccer, right? Um, There's seasons, Their their seasons start in August. Oh yes. And they end their seasons start in August and they end in May, right? And they play outdoors the entire time, right? So if you if you actually watch, especially English soccer, it is cold and pouring rain like half the time. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable to me, like what they play in. Um, So I'm assuming that it's you know, uh, you know, it, it comes from. You know, comes from that. That's but I was really happy to see that Chelsea beat Liverpool yesterday. <laughs> um, one nothing. So that was a really important game for Chelsea. <laughs>
1: nice. Um, well, so is there anything that you can pinpoint that has really kept you focused and hopeful during this past year, which obviously was really challenging for a lot
2: of reasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I've said this to a few folks. I, um, I've been incredibly inspired by our team. By how our team has sort of, you know, how we're just sort of fighting to sort of do our work when we can't, you know, we can't travel, um, and we can't host people here on campus um, and the the level of sort of creativity and innovation. Um, And then I I think, um, you know, I've been most inspired by how Notre Dame's tried to really make sort of this values-based decision that says what we do is so important and we're going to find a way to offer sort of in-person classes and a residential experience in the middle of a, a pandemic. Um, you know, a shout-out to all the members of, uh, you know, of UR and especially development who are working crew. You know, I've got the great fortune to work really closely with Sharon Ranker, Um And uh, Sharon's crew pretty much full-time and is still doing a lot of work, you know, us here in 405. Um, you know, and Sharon's working four to midnights now. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I look at you know, to me that that's been really, you know, sort of really inspiring. I, I mean, I really believe our our, our our team overall has never been stronger. I look at some of the work that you know that you folks are doing in terms of internal engagement. Um, I mean, I, you know, I think we've been closer or trying to make every effort to, to bring our team closer. Um, and and I know it doesn't happen at every other area of the university too. So yeah, lots to feel hopeful about.
0: Thanks, yeah. Drew. Appreciate that. Uh, so Drew, we're almost at the end of our time together today. I feel like we can talk for a whole other hour just about <laughs> <Yeah>. random stuff. <laughs> so fun. Uh, but we're going to throw a quick take five your way. Yeah, great. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. You ready for these <laughs> rapid fire questions? Yep. Let's do it.
1: All righty. Favorite Notre Dame sporting moment:
2: 1988 um, victory, 31-30 over Miami. As a sophomore, fantastic.
0: Go Irish! Yes. Best meal you've ever had?
2: My grandma Katie's Sunday meal, Sunday night, every Sunday night as a kid, with this amazing Italian, which she would call it peasant fair, right? this amazing Italian feast at my grandma Katie's at five o'clock at 12 Jesse Drive.
0: Wow! <laughs> nice. Shout out to you though, Drew. Uh, really quick, sorry, G. <laughs> <laughs> but when we started this uh, uh, work from home, you remember the video that you made and you made the, yeah. the peasant soup?
2: Yeah, I made mean, I mean, pasta for Pasta for yeah.
0: exactly. And I made it yeah. that exact same day and it turned out really good. So thanks yeah, for, good. for the inspiration there.
2: Glad to hear it. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah.
1: Um, favorite spot on campus?
2: Walking onto South Quad. So coming down Notre Dame Avenue as soon as you walk onto South Quad. Yes, so not too far from where the Black Pole is and you're looking at the, the Soren statue.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, best local pizza place.
2: Hands down Rocco's no place compares.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here.
2: That's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite city you visited.
2: Yeah, this is tough. Um, you know, U.S. City, San Francisco. I love, I love San Francisco. Um, and then I, I mean, I haven't traveled international much at all, Um but I love Rome. Um, and, uh, so those would be my, you
0: know, I guess my two. Nice. Yeah. Well, Drew, Drew Buscarino, my goodness. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend with us today. I know your, your schedule is busy, uh, but we had a great time hearing about your Notre Dame story and we hope to see you again here soon.
2: That's fantastic. Great to be with the two of you. And, um, and thanks for the really important work you do for all of us. It's good stuff.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Drew. Thanks,
2: Drew. Yep. Take care. Bye. I know.
1: James, as our resident DJ, do you have any particular songs or artists you listen to on St. Patrick's day?
0: You know, I, I do. Uh, there's a great album uh, that I recommend. It's called San Patricio and it's by the chieftains. Uh, and he is, is, produ- is produced, is this, this uh, album with Rye Cooter. And it's kind of a combination of Irish music and traditional uh, ranchera you know mexican music oh. there's a lot of artists there uh, there's some sort of uh, synergy that they have with one another and yeah. it's a great album. it's like a
1: fusion exactly
0: exactly i highly recommend it to our listeners
1: nice uh, uh well i also have a great little jig you should definitely add to your playlist
0: no what's that g
1: you know our closing people <laughs>
0: for listening to the grace of giving podcast i'm james riley
1: and i'm grace brosniewski
0: and this has been grace of giving thanks so much for listening and remember